isn't he? Um, many thanks to the Sunday School teachers um, for giving their uh, time every Sunday um, to teach God's world. God's Word to our children, and I want to just extend a warm uh, welcome to all of you here and also those of you who are joining us uh, online. Um, today we're following up with our Advent series, um, so uh, this is the second uh, week. Last week, Last week Christian uh, um, walked us through the prophecies of the Old Testament. Um, and uh, looked uh, forward to the coming Messiah. Um, and today, um, we're going to look at how Jesus broke into our world uh, to redeem us um, and uh, bring uh, peace uh, between us and God. In fact, we sung earlier with Hark the Herald Angels Sing, um, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Um, okay, so let's get started. Uh, this past fall, we've been working through the book of Acts, and um, I think it's entirely appropriate then that we uh, continue uh, in the same volume. Uh, Luke and Acts were written together, um, so we're going to go back into the beginning of Acts and look at the coming of the Messiah, the Advent, um, through Luke's perspective. Um, Luke's gospel, um, in fact, is uh, the only one written by a Gentile. Um, and uh, they were written to a gentleman called uh, Theophilus. Um, oh, yeah, I can't see up there. That's fine. Um, and uh, Luke starts out his Christmas story to encourage Theophilus, um, and he says that he undertook a investigation. Um, and he uses the word um, eyewitnesses. He talked to the eyewitnesses. And in fact, the word that they use, um, that he uses there for eyewitnesses, is the, where, is the uh, root of where we get the word um, autopsy. And that's entirely appropriate for a physician uh, like Luke. Um, so just like Theophilus, uh, his name means loved by God. I'd like to share a little bit about what God's been teaching me through this Advent season um, to those of you who are also loved by God. Okay, let's pray as you turn. Um, Jesus, we come here to you this morning to look closely at your word. I pray that you would be able to leave, that we would be able to leave the chaotic turbulence of the season and the anxiousness of the world outside to be open to what you have to teach us this morning about your plan and promise through the ages, to love us, to redeem us, to bring us into your presence as sons and daughters but also to share with your inheritance as heirs of Christ. Okay, so if you can turn um, to Luke chapter 1, um, we are going to go through um, parts of it. It's a very long chapter. There's no way we're going to get through all of it, um, but uh, I'd like to uh, start with uh, verse 4. So, um, again, speaking uh, to Theophilus um, and to us, that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And then, in the days of Herod, king of Judas, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, Abijah. And he and his wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Okay, so I'd like to look a little bit uh, at this um, uh, particular, um, sort of the way Luke 
lays out all of um, chapter one. And so Luke is a master storyteller, and he actually knits together the stories of John the Baptist together with the story um, of Jesus right through their early life. And so just very quickly starts out with um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zechariah and the temple, Gabriel's first message to Zechariah, Elizabeth's uh, retreat. Um, Gabriel then comes again to speak to Mary. Mary reacts. Mary visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth shouts out um, through the Holy Spirit when Mary shows up. Mary then responds in song. Then we go back to John's birth. Then Zechariah responds in song. Then we have Mary and Joseph in chapter 2, which is probably a little bit more familiar, and then Jesus' birth. So this is the advent of Jesus' birth as we, as we walk through. So it's really a story of two cousins. Um, and if we split those out, um, we have in orange the parts that are about Jesus Christ, and in blue the parts that are about John the Baptist. But it's also a story of um, two couples. Um, and so if we rearrange all of those things together, we have Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth. So I'm just going to talk about Zachariah and Elizabeth this morning. And next week, Andrew is going to um, talk a little bit more about Mary um, and Joseph. Okay, so Zachariah and Elizabeth. Again, we'll go back to verse 4. So in the days of Herod, king of Judas, uh, Judea, there was a priest um, named Zachariah, of the division of Abijah, and Elizabeth, a daughter of Aaron. Okay, so right away, we gotta understand what, who are these people. Aaron, you know, but Abijah, you may not have heard of, and so we'll just have a quick look at that. So I thought I'd go through the family tree of um, Zechariah and um, Elizabeth, because both Matthew and Luke really run through the gene genealogies of Jesus, um, but really just gloss over Zachariah and Elizabeth. So let's look at their, their family tree. Okay, so everything traces back to a family of promise. We start out with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Leah. Okay, so not Jacob and Rachel, but Jacob and Leah. And Jacob and Leah um, had um, a lot of kids. Oh going too fast. Um, Judah um, and Levi being uh, two of them. Um, and then uh, that's where um, the, the brothers and sisters, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, right? So now we have Aaron in this line of Levi, and that's the priestly line, right? Um, and then um, Aaron and um, Elisheba, who actually is the brother of um, Nahoshan, who is from the line of Judah. And Elizabeth, of course, is exactly the same name as Elisheba. So Aaron and Elisheba um, were married, and they had four kids. Um, and their four children, um, you can see their names there. Um, and two of them I've crossed out, because two of them um, had uh, an incident um, on the altar of incense um, where they gave uh, something a little bit too much to God. They tried to bring more than God had requested, um, and they were smoked, literally, right out of the veil, um, dead in the uh, holy place. So that leaves two children for um, Aaron and uh, Elisheba. Um, and uh, we have on the, um, on the Judah's line, we have David and Bathsheba. 
um, and then uh, down to Mary and Joseph. Um, but in David's time, he appointed divisions of priests um, to work in the, in the temple. Um, and those were, um, that's where Abiah um, and the division of Abiah was put in place. And then you can see um, Elizabeth is a daughter of Aaron, not quite sure exactly what the genealogy is there, but um, Zechariah um, was uh, in the division of Abiah, Abijah. So we have Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph, and we have um, John the Baptist. And of course, it goes without saying that Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist as Levites had very good genes. Did you get that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So moving on. Um, so then in here we have um, Mary. Uh, oh, yeah. So line of kings, um, which is really the, the justice part of, of how things were set up. And then we have the line of priests, which is where we have the law um, and the mediation between the people um, and God. And of course, um, Mary and Elizabeth um, connected in the story that we're looking at uh, right now. Okay, so that's a little bit complicated, but I wanted you to all have that picture. And I also want you to recognize that every single one of these people in, has a story behind them. And every one of those stories was quite messy. There was no linear life on anybody that's on that page right there. So God is working in the midst of the messiness of our life. Okay, so names are very important in the Bible, and as we go through God's Word, sometimes we gloss over what the names mean. So I just want to remind us what Zechariah means. Um, another pronunciation for Zechariah, if I get this right, is Zechariah, um, which, is which is what it is in Hebrew, which is um, God remembers. Okay, so Zechariah is God remembers. Elizabeth is, God pro is God's promise. It's more stronger than that. It's God's oath. Um, and John the Baptist, of course, is God is gracious. And Jesus Christ, God is salvation. So just keep that in mind um, as we go through. Okay, so Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now we're coming back to that same verse, 4 to 7. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, and then they had no child. So here we have what's going on in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We saw what their names meant. We saw what their genealogy was um, and what they're, what they're doing, their priests. Um, but here we have what's going on um, in, their, in their lives. So first of all, we have as king of Judea, not a king from Israel um, or from the line of, of uh, Judah, we have Herod, okay? So this is a, uh, a Greek um, um, part of the Roman um, uh, political uh, system at the time. Um, and in their own personal lives, they weren't able to have children, okay? So um, there's a lot of waiting. On the political side, they're waiting for the Messiah. Um, 430 years, in fact, um, they've been waiting since uh, Malachi's last uh, prophecy. And on a personal note, they've been waiting for a child. Okay, so moving on with the story here, we're getting into the, just uh, the next uh, part. Zechariah is serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty. Um, and as was the custom in the priesthood, they would be selected by lot. So God is choosing the priests to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. 
Um, and this was during the, the, the time of prayer and the hour of incense. Um, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Okay, what's the altar of incense? We just kind of gloss over this, keep on moving through the, through the story. But um, really, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah to come into the holy place of the temple and offer um, incense uh, to, uh, to God. Um, and that... Um, in fact, is, would have been right in front of the uh, veil um, where the, the incense uh, was, was given. And let me just back up here a second. Yeah. Um, so this isn't, the te- this isn't Herod's temple, um, obviously. It's not the second temple. It's not the first temple that Solomon built. This is the um, tabernacle um, that uh, the Israelites had when they came out of... Um, uh, it came out of Egypt in Exodus. And of course, tabernacle means place of dwelling. So God with us. Um, and so I've just, in order to make this a little bit simpler, I've kept uh, the, the tabernacle here. Um, so if we look at that in detail, um, we have uh, the plan here. Um, and uh, for this altar of incense, it's a twice daily sacrifice, sunrise, sunset, and um, there was a lamb sacrifice, a burnt offering, and then the incense. Um, and all of these things were burning continuously, all the time. Okay? So the, the bronze altar um, was where the offering was made, where the sacrificed lamb that had been slaughtered just to the north of the altar um, was burnt. And then the priest would take the hot coals from the altar um, and after uh, cleansing in the, the laver, which is the blue dot there, um, they would go into the holy place um, inside um, and uh, to the altar of incense, and they would um, light um, the finely crushed spices, um, which included frankincense and maybe, um, maybe some myrrh. It's a little bit hard to know. Um, but again, these were burning uh, continually. Um, as, as uh, an offering. And this was symbolic um, of the prayers of the people um, to, uh, to God. Um, okay, so at the altar of um, incense, if we pick up our story here in verse 13, Gabriel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Of course, he's trembling already at the altar of incense because he's right before the veil, right before the place of God. His uncles had been uh, smoked um, by not bringing the appropriate um, offering. Um, But even in that Zacharias um, questions, he doesn't immediately believe God's word. Um, And so Gabriel, if you read the story, has to give his own name. Um, says, I am Gabriel, and I have brought this word directly from God. And so Zechariah is sent out of the temple, um, waving, trying to communicate to people because he was mute. Okay. Um, So again, the prayers that were coming up, um, waiting for the Messiah and and waiting for the child. Um, So then um, Zechariah finishes up at uh, the temple about two weeks later, goes back, um, tries to communicate this to Elizabeth, and um, Elizabeth, in fact, uh, does become pregnant. Um, And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, 
Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Okay, so she, she retreats, just like Moses did in Midian, just like the people did in Exodus in the desert, just like David did in the wilderness as a shepherd, just like John the Baptist in the wilderness, or Saul in Arabia, or even Jesus after his baptism went off into the wilderness. She retreated to get to know God and to understand what God was telling um, her. Um, and of course, she thought about Abraham and Sarah. Of course, she thought about Isaac and Rebecca, who also couldn't have children initially. And of course, she thought about Jacob and Rachel, who couldn't have children initially. And of course, she thought about Hannah. And these are tough stories in God's people um, and in his, in his dealing with us. And in fact, the three of them, Isaac, Joseph, and Benjamin, and Samuel, were all given up to God in one way or another. Um, of course, Isaac was given as a sacrifice and, and, and was considered as good as dead. Joseph was left for dead and then provided life for Jacob's family in the famine in Egypt. Benjamin was held as a ransom. Samuel was given up by Hannah to service in the temple and ended up anointing um, David and Saul. Um, yeah, and uh, of course the reproach among the people is exactly from um, Genesis, and that's what Rebecca said um, uh, to the Lord. Okay, now Gabriel is also sent to Mary. Mary also debates with Gabriel, um, but it's a little bit easier to believe. She believes a little bit more readily, and she just says, may it be as you have said. Okay, um, so Mary arose from that meeting with Gabriel, and went in haste to the hill country, to the town of, Judea, of, of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting from Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And then we pick up that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a shout, blessed are you among women, and why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So she puts her Lord first. She's not immediately thinking about, hey, I got pregnant too. She's immediately putting all of the focus on the Lord, which is Jesus Christ. Um, so her identity is in her Lord and not in her motherhood. Mary, of course, believed. She had more of a childlike faith. And that's really in contrast here to what Elizabeth says, I'm sure, with a little nudged to her husband, Zachariah, who struggled to believe despite a lifetime of liturgical experience. Okay, and then this, I love this part. Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. So how did Mary and Elizabeth respond to Jesus, to Christ breaking into their lives? Well, Elizabeth gave herself up opened up her home, and as a priestess of law and mediation, she opened up the scriptures and she discipled Mary. Three months. Mary sought a city of refuge because she would have been um, a source of shame in her community. She entered into a quietness and waiting. She learned about God's word and she let herself be discipled 
by Elizabeth. And this is, of course, what Luke writes in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to teaching and praying and breaking of bread. They had meals together, lots of them, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. Okay, Zechariah, he had an imposed silence, and that's a great time to spend in God's word. I am sure that he thought about Isaac going up to Mount Moriah with Abraham, and Isaac saying, Dad, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Or perhaps he was thinking about this very, very curious um, time when David put on the priestly garments and danced and leaped before the Lord, before the Ark of the Covenant, as the Ark was being brought into Jerusalem, shouting um, before it. And I'm sure that Zechariah thought about how Gabriel had first come to Daniel again um, in, in that time of prayer, um, and that when Gabriel came to Daniel in Babylon, he was bringing a message from, from God about the timeline of Messiah's coming. And in fact, just very quickly, um, when Daniel was reading Jeremiah and then he repented and confessed his sins, and then there's a whole lot of, of prayer there in Daniel 9, um, but we pick it up. Um, while he was speaking and praying, Confessing my sin and the sins of my people Israel, the man Gabriel came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. So this is a direct copy of Zechariah's experience. Same time, same thing, um, right, and this, it's exactly the same. And then Gabriel says, the anointed one will be put to death and have nothing. So Zechariah's got all of this going on in his mind, absolutely certain. Um, these three things. And so after John is born, Zechariah responds now in the Holy Spirit, prophesying, um, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. So again, just like Elizabeth, the first thought is not about his own son in this first stanza. It's about the coming Christ. Um, this is right after John's been born, of course, right? Um, and if you look in the yellow there, there's three actions, okay? There's he has come, he has redeemed, and he has raised up. That's the gospel right there again in the story. So Zechariah's long-standing in identity and tradition as a Levite, a descendant of Aaron and a priest, all of that vocation that he was identified himself with, he put aside and he, and he um, puts first here the kingly line of David. Um, he puts himself um, aside. Okay, the second part of that stanza to um, honoring uh, Jesus um, is to show mercy to our ancestors, ancestors to remember um, the covenant and um, the promise. Um, of course, God remembers God's promise. That's Zechariah um, in Elizabeth. Um, and then at the end, he uh, concludes with serving him without fear. So instead of trembling before the veil at the altar of incense, um, he can uh, serve uh, without fear. 
Then he does talk about his own son, um, John the Baptist, um, who will uh, make a way for the Lord um, and uh, bring knowledge of salvation, uh, the forgiveness of sins, um, and speak about that uh, as well. Um, okay, so going back to our key verse, um, verses 5 and 7. There was a priest named Zechariah um, and his wife Elizabeth. They were righteous before God, walking blamelessly. Um, that's a big statement, um, but it really connects with what we know about the other uh, people in the Bible that, that showed tremendous faith. Um, and in Hebrews 11:39, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us here, they would be made perfect. So they were looking forward uh, to, to that salvation. Um, so just quickly, because um, we don't have a ton of time left, um, coming back to this verse, Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months um, and returned to her home. Um, I, we have Zachariah in this house. We have Elizabeth in this house. John the Baptist is in the womb. But there's a fourth priest here. Um, that I'd like to talk about, a fourth priest at the table. Um, so the other priest at the table, of course, um, is Jesus. Um, and Jesus was anointed at Bethany. He came in from the east, and he is the gate. That's Ezekiel 44 and John 10. He is the perfect lamb that was sacrificed. He offered himself um, at the altar. He cleanses. He is Emmanuel. Note that this outer part outside the tent, that's outside. All those sacrifices, morning, evening, they happen, rain or shine, the storms of life. God is with us through um, that outer courtyard. Into the holy place. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the light. So the menorah in the holy place was the only light in the darkness. And Jesus is both the bread and the light. Um, Jesus was crushed like the incense. Jesus intercedes as uh, prayers at the altar of incense. Jesus was torn from his Father and the Holy Spirit on the cross under God's wrath, and the veil was torn so that we could enter onto the Ark of the Covenant, which is the mercy seat of God. Jesus is Lord. And of course, that maps out a cross that Christ made a way by the cross come back. Christ made a way by the cross um, and from the rising sun from heaven continually and uh, forever. Okay, so very quickly, um, every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices morning and night but they could never take away sins. 
But when Christ has offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, it was done, it was finished. He could sit down at the right hand of God. Okay, so we've seen the line of priests, we've seen the line of kings, and um, together with God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus is our king and our great high priest. And of course, um, he's not with us right now, but he went back to heaven, he was raised to life, went back to heaven, and um, God sent his Holy Spirit uh, for the Emmanuel uh, part. So Jesus is our great high priest, counselor, and, and um, he is uh, our Emmanuel. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. As our great high priest in John 17, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And then again in John 14, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Emmanuel is, is indeed Christ um, with us. After Jesus and John were born, they started their ministries. The first thing that John did in his ministry, like we're in Luke 3 now, right? it's not very far. Um, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus as well, his very first uh, words in ministry were, repent, for the kingdom um, of heaven is at hand. Now, repentance in Hebrew means return to God. In Greek, transformative change of heart. Both of those ring true. Um, and I just want to challenge us um, as we go through Advent, we look to the birth of Christ, we look to the beginning of, of John's uh, ministry, we look to the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry um, about this repentance, because it's something that's very, very uh, challenging for us to get our heads around. Um, so, first of all, do you have questions about um, God and Jesus? Are you offended by all of this gruesome talk of sacrifice? Do you end up bringing your sacrifices over and over again to try and justify yourself to God or to others? Do you leap for joy in God's presence? Or do you avoid God because he is judgmental and angry? Paul writes in Romans 2, do you know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And in Lamentations 22, 23, and I got here because Gabriel came to Zechariah, Gabriel came to Daniel, Daniel was repenting because of the words he saw in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, okay? Train of thought, okay. Because you are God's great love or mercy and loving kindness, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
Can you say, like in Luke 1.75 there, can you serve without fear in holiness and righteousness? So a couple of quick verses here. Yeah, we still got time. Um, Loving kindness. Psalm 103, Romans 5, and Jeremiah 31. I'm just going to read them out. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us for our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Compassion. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And then when David sinned, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Faithfulness. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures for all generations. The Lord is trustworthy and in all he promises, and faithful in all he does. And lastly, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Jesus spoke a word and created the heavens and the earth. If for nothing else but to give us an unmeasurable scale of his love and faithfulness. Okay, so the altar of incense is that symbol we see in Revelations of the prayers of God's people to the Lamb at the center of the throne. Is prayer frustrating and futile, like I find it many times? Does God seem distant, silent? Have you given up praying? I want to encourage you that Jesus always hears and always answers. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's wait. But sometimes, like we saw in this story, he says, I have something so much better. And that's a direct quote from Hebrews 11. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, both the holy place and the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Christ in you. When Christ breaks into your life, the world will continue to swirl around you. But Christ is our identity, nothing else. So leap for joy. Get alone in quiet and read Jesus' words. We've got an entire Bible filled with them. Get together. Worship, learn, teach, pray continually, and break bread together. So I'll leave you with this next part of Lamentations 3, um, 22, right through to 26. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion, my identity. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly. Oh, that's it. So I'm going to invite Andrew.